Hey, everybody, and welcome back to this edition of the First Baptist Church podcast. Glad you've joined us today. Today, we'll be taking a look back upon Pastor Mark's sermon from August the 30th. And if you remember, we were in John chapter 6, and we spent a lot of time talking about Jesus and his being, his understanding, his personality, if you will, about who he was and what he had been trying to teach the people. And so we spent a great deal of time examining that, looking into that, trying to make sure we have a, a firm grasp of where Jesus is and who he is. One of the things Pastor Mark mentioned on Sunday morning about this study of John we've we've been in is uh, particularly related to the fact that who Jesus was is that John is still, the writer, is still trying to determine who this Jesus is. Pastor Mark talked about Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel are very organized, very story-oriented, very first-person, or excuse me, very, uh, not analytical, but it's written like a recording of the events as if they happened. Uh, at that time, an ordered account, Luke says, a description of the things that happened. But when we get to John, it's a completely different style. We see some of the same circumstances and stories that were told there, but John spends his time focused on the person of Jesus, the, the Christ, who Jesus is. And so we we look at that, and, it, and it's written in a completely different style from the others. I don't know about you, but if you've ever read a book or been to a, a conference or some continuing education or maybe even a classroom if you're a student listening to this, somehow different teachers, different speakers and even different writers to a certain extent have a way of speaking to you differently stylistically in a way that connects with you that maybe someone else did. You could probably look back upon a time in your life where you remember a particular instance of a of a sermon that you heard. You can look back upon a teacher that you had maybe in high school or college and and you remember more from what they taught you. And it isn't that they were that much more amazing as a, as a teacher. I'm sure they were good, but it was the style in which they presented it. And that, that's kind of what we see here with John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke presented in one way that is very applicable and certainly gives us the information and tells us who Jesus is. But John approaches it from a more personal level. And that's one of the most interesting things about where we have been. But we see three things that, that Pastor Mark talked about on Sunday as it relates to why Jesus, why Jesus from John chapter 7, verses 14 through 24. Why Jesus? So Mark gave us three things. Number one, Jesus has an unlimited understanding of the Word of God because he wrote it. And that's that's where I really want to focus in today. But let, let's let's push pause on that one. Jesus had an unlimited understanding of the Word of God because he wrote it. I'm coming back there. We're going to spend the bulk of our time. But let's go on. Number two, Jesus has a humble heart. Pastor Mark gives us two 
unbelievably great examples of how we see that in Scripture. We saw it at his birth being born in a stable, and we saw it at his death on a cross. Those two instances are completely opposite to what anyone in culture, especially Jewish culture, would have expected of a king to be born in a stable and die on a cross. There is no greater misunderstanding. There's no greater um, opposite effect of, of how that should have looked if Jesus was a king, which he was, but that's not how anyone expected it to happen. But we see that Jesus was not like anyone else. He was fully God and fully man, and he came for a purpose that his father sent to him, and he had a humble heart in that way. Finally, Jesus has the highest holiness. There is no one that's ever lived on earth with more holiness than Jesus. There's never been anyone on earth that lived completely without sin. And so Jesus has the highest holiness. But John is building the case there of, of who this Jesus is. Who it is. And, and, and we see this exchange. Pastor Mark talked, gave us this example of, a, of having a 1994 Chevrolet Cavalier with so many miles on it. Messed up transmission, dented, all kinds of mess uh, going on. And, and the offer of trading it for a Mercedes with five miles on it, and there's no catch. That's kind of where we are. Jesus, who was perfect, perfect in holiness, completely sinless, us, a dented, messed up 94 Cavalier with a busted engine and a no-good transmission and dents in it. That's the contrast, and it's even higher than we can possibly imagine in that way. But Jesus also has this unlimited understanding of who we are. Because if he knows everything, that means he already knows everything. Let me say that for you one more time. If he knows everything, he already knows everything about you. So why Jesus? Because he's who he says he is. He's the Christ. He's the Son of God. He's the living Savior. The only one without a tomb. He rose again on the third day, and it's not just a exercise in being smart or understanding who he was. I'm going to quote from a guy that thinks he is in a little bit, and you'll see what we're talking about. But we have this understanding of, of who Jesus is. Romans 10:9 says the Bible says if you can, or the Bible says in Romans 10:9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's the understanding that we all need to have. We're going to go on into further next week in in John, and we'll be moving on through chapter seven and chapter eight and on down the line. And I'm 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 so enjoying looking through this, but I want to go back this morning to this idea that Jesus had unlimited understanding of the Word of God because he wrote it. He wrote it. He wrote the Word of God. He was living. The word of God. He was a fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. And there are a lot of people in our world today, including some that claim to be believers, that mightily struggle with this understanding that Jesus was both fully God and fully man. And even if he was, was he the savior of the world? And so I spent a, a little bit of time yesterday on Monday trying to look up some of the the ideas about who do people say is, who is he, 
And I'll just give you a hint. If you if you search the internet and ask the question of, of did Jesus write the word of God? Did he write it? You will be flabbergasted and appalled at the amount of information out there and most of it completely anti-biblical. And so I want to give you an excerpt from an article that I found yesterday from a well-respected, and I and I say that in terms of an academic sense, a well-respected professor of religious and Judea, uh, Judaism studies at Brown University. He wrote an article in 2015 entitled, How Well Did Jesus Know His Bible? Now, I found this on the Yale Religious Studies blog page, and this professor is a professor of religious studies at Brown University. Let me give you a little precursor to this. Many of the Ivy League elite schools in primarily in the northeastern part of the United States have religion departments because they were founded as religious institutions many hundreds of years ago. But what you'll hear here in just a minute is someone that absolutely believes in religion. But based on what I'm going to read you here in a minute, has no relationship with Jesus Christ. We always talk about that Christianity is a relationship with Christ. It's not simply a religion. This guy that I'll read from his article here in just a minute, very religious, teaches religion, but he has no understanding of who Jesus really is. And the reason I know that is because the, some of the questions he raises are, are completely answered in Scripture. And I, and I believe with all my heart that I have to sit down with this, this professor in a room and ask him a question, one simple question, do you believe the Bible is true? He would not give me a yes or no answer, which tells me everything I need to know. The answer is no. If the Bible can't be trusted, then your relationship with Jesus doesn't mean anything. Professor's name is Michael Satlow, professor of religious studies. Now, I will, uh, with full disclosure, I do not know if he is still a professor of religious studies at Brown University. As I said, this article is five years old. But what he says here is, how well did Jesus know his Bible? Let me just read a couple of excerpts for you today. Most scholars have long believed that Jesus knew the Jewish scripture well, speaking of the Old Testament. It's not an unreasonable belief. The Gospels, especially the, quote, so-called synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, frequently depict Jesus citing scripture to his followers in order to teach them moral lessons and to stoke eschatological expectations. Additionally, it's widely thought that almost all Jewish boys in Palestine were well acquainted with the scripture. If they if they were, wouldn't Jesus be as well? And wouldn't he have to have received training to learn both Hebrew and how to read? Now, here's how I know he doesn't believe the Bible. He expects, based on that paragraph I just read you, that Jesus is like all other Jewish boys of the time. And to a certain extent, biblically, that is true. He was born. He grew up under the traditional Jewish upbringing of his father, Joseph, his earthly father. 
And so he would have been taught those things. But we see in several circumstances how Jesus knew so much more. Remember back to when uh, his his parents lose him. Some of my favorite stories in all the scripture, they, they literally lost their kid. They lost Jesus. They lost the son of God. And they travel a few days and, and realize they don't have him. And they go back to look for Jesus and they find him in the temple teaching the scholars about who he was and what, what the scriptures mean. And we see two things there. Number one, his parents say, you know, where were you? And Jesus said, why would you not look for me in my father's house? Pretty clear indication that Jesus understood who he was at that very moment. And secondly, he was astounding those he was teaching by his knowledge because his his dad was just a carpenter. And although he was a Jewish boy, he knew far more than he should have. Do you know why he knew far more than he should have? Because he was the son of God. He was there at the beginning in Genesis 1. All right, let's go back to the article. What, let me read that last sentence again. It wouldn't have had received the training to learn both Hebrew and how to read. He goes on to write, both of these arguments are shaky. The Gospels written at least several decades after Jesus' death by people who did not know him are notoriously poor historical sources. Recent scholarship has also moved away from assuming widespread literacy among Jews in antiquity. Let's pause there. One thing I learned is you cannot prove your point by saying something else that also assumes something different. Let me tell you what I'm talking about here. He says that the Gospels were written several decades after Jesus' death by people who did not know him, which is not true. Read scripture, it's there. And that they are, quote, notoriously poor historical sources. Recent scholarship has also moved away from assuming widespread literacy among Jews in antiquity. So someone writing 2,000 years ago and trying to figure out what happened in ancient Jewish culture now says that the Gospels are, quote, poor historical sources because they were written several decades after Jesus' death. What do you believe, without bringing biblical knowledge into this, do you believe that it is a better source for someone that lived 20 years after an event to write about it or 2,000 years ago to write about it? His own argument proves and discredits the one he previously made. Goes on, most people neither knew Hebrew or how to read. If they knew scripture at all, it would have been through popular stories of the teacher's teaching of an itinerant preacher, maybe in our Aramaic translation of a reading in the synagogue, if synagogues were even present at this time in Galilee. We have no evidence they are. Uh, we have biblical evidence that they are, and the archaeological evidence is also being discovered more and more every day. That's my words, not his. Goes on. So let's imagine a scripturally challenged Jesus. Let me say that for you again. I can't help but laughing. Let's imagine instead a scripturally challenged Jesus. This guy does not believe the Bible. He, he probably has read the Bible. 
but he doesn't believe it. Or at minimum, he cherry picks out what he believes and what he doesn't believe about the Bible. Because no one that reads a Bible with an open mind can say that Jesus didn't know Scripture. He knew more Scripture than anybody knew. Why? He was the Son of God. He was the Son of God. He goes on to write that what Jesus probably knew was based on traditional Jewish customs and dietary rules, and that the his fights with the Pharisees were not about how to interpret Scripture, but about Jewish customary practice. When we dive into that, those words are technically true. But the reason that he was continually arguing with the Jewish religious leaders at the time is because Jesus' coming was a fulfillment of the entire Old Testament, and the Jewish religious leaders were rejecting him. And so Jesus absolutely was arguing with the Jewish religious leaders at the time because he was blowing up their system. Old covenant, new covenant. This was about to go away. Let me read one more excerpt. In many respects, Jesus was typical for a Jew of his social standing, time, and place. Like the vast majority of his community, he assumed that it was tradition, not or he was assumed that it was tradition, actual communal practice, rather than a text that bore religious authority. In creating a scripture citing Jesus, though, the gospel's authors shifted that focus, ultimately raising for Christians the importance and authority of the Jewish Bible. Within the Christian and Western context, this was the seed of the idea of the primacy of the text, not just that of the Bible, a seed that would fully blossom during the Reformation and whose fruit very much remains with us today. Yes. Jesus cited scripture because he wrote it. He lived it. He was there. And the Gospels don't simply create a scripture citing Jesus. The Gospels tell the story of Jesus who knew the Bible better than anybody else. The idea that he says fully blossomed during the Reformation is 100% correct. The idea that the Bible is true, it is the word of God, it was inspired by God, it was written by God, it was lived out by Jesus. That is the gospel story. And it, and and I can't help but read into this, this part at the end with, quote, it very much remains with us today as if we haven't been able to defeat it. People that don't believe in the Bible haven't been able to discredit it. That's right. They have not. Because when there's incredible amounts of historical evidence of its validity and its truth, and people are willing to die for it over the course of their lives, you bet it's hard to disprove because it's true. So Jesus had an unlimited understanding of the Word of God because he wrote it. Read something from, a, from an evangelical pastor, not a professor of religious studies, but a believer said the most decisive thing about this new covenant is that Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, died for sinners so that both Jews and Gentiles who trust him would become the heirs of the Old Testament promises. And of the famil- and, he, and, and he's talking about fulfilling the New Testament. So God is the, is the witness there. We read earlier in John that, that Jesus was a witness to the Old Testament. God saw Jesus, knew Jesus long before he was on earth. He was already there.
He was a son. We saw that when, when we spent an incredible amount of time on John chapter 1, and he saw what his son would be. So when John talks about this idea of scriptures and it bearing witness of him, he means that God already knew it, God had already ordained it, God had already done all these things because it had been happening from the beginning. This was not some backup plan that God had to come up with now that man had messed it up. No, this was God's plan all along. It had happened. To believe the word of God is very controversial today. To believe that we have power over sin because of someone that died for us is very controversial. Many today like to think upon it, as, well, I'm not as bad as the next guy. So that must mean I'm okay. It's not how it works. We're all messed up. Non-Christ honoring people in our lives. And we're only saved by the grace of God because he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. Raised again on the third day so that we can have the promise of eternal life. And now we spend our time honoring God, loving God, and sharing that love of Christ with others. So let me close with this. How do you know the difference between a Christian, a non-Christian, and maybe just a religious person? It hasn't changed in 2,000 years. John Piper said this several years ago about how to know. It says, quote, You can test yourself and others as to whether you know God or honor God or love God. And the test is Jesus. Any claim by a Jewish person or a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist or a spiritualist or an animist or any Christian, and I would add anybody that claims to be a Christian, any claim to know God or to honor God or to love God while not receiving Christ as the Son of God and the crucified risen Savior is a false claim. The measure of an all true knowing God, honoring God, and loving God is knowing Him, honoring Him, and loving Him for who He really is. That's the test of who a believer is. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today, the opportunity to open up the Word of God to examine what other, quote, religious people say about it. God, may we be a people that lean on the Word of God. May we lean on you. We have no other hope. When we begin to make it up for ourselves and try to figure it all out and explain it away with rational human thought, we will fail because God is can, cannot be compartmentalized like that. So I pray for, for us as we strive to do that here in our church and in our community. I see things in your name today, Jesus. Amen. This just so happens to be a perfect preview episode for what's coming up on Thursday this week, September the 3rd. We're going to begin a, it, I, I hesitate to say how many parts this series is going to be because I don't know how long it's going to take me. But we're going to talk about how to read your Bible how to interpret the Bible, how to make sure we're reading that correctly. And so we're going to be examining that starting on Thursday. Thursday will kind of be an intro to that. And just a couple of other quick announcements. I will post a book that if you would like to pick it up, it's How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Excellent book. I'll be referencing that frequently in this series that we will start on Thursday. It'll be the Thursday series for the next few weeks. 
And also, I will put a link to that article that I referenced from Michael Satlow in there. I want you to be able to read that fully for yourselves and, and see that I'm not, not just making this up. I'll put a link in there. Uh, and remember, I do not believe that. I believe this guy does not believe in Jesus, doesn't believe that the Bible is true. But I want you to be able to read it in your own words. And, and, and you can see uh, exactly what he said. I read excerpts from it. It's not a long article, but I do want you to be able to see that just for your own self. And so I encourage you to check that out. Thanks. Have a great day.